0: Going into the next tier i have the guys in the upside tier so my first guy in this tier was isaiah pacheco who was drafted by kansas city in the seventh round and i liked isaiah pacheco quite a bit coming out based on what i read in the scouting reports uh, clearly the league missed out on him uh, but kansas city reap the rewards of that and uh let's talk about him so Pacheco has good vision and instincts, always scans for cutback lanes, has good power and contact balance. He has a muscular frame and runs violently, but he's a very stiff and linear runner, lacking elusiveness in the open field. He has excellent straight line speed to take it to the house, uh, and he was a good pass protector in college with the awareness and technique necessary, and was an overall reliable receiver without a diverse route tree. So, I, just reading this you're shocked that so many teams passed on him but every team did maybe it was the lack of elusiveness maybe it was that just stiffness about him but he is truly a violent runner he does have true home run speed and it's shocking that a guy with that kind of speed fell as far as he did especially when he's got pass blocking ability as well but let's get into what he did last year so Isaiah Pacheco last year Played in 17 games, started 11 of them, had 170 attempts for 830 yards and 5 touchdowns, averaged 4.9 yards a carry, and caught 13 balls for 130 yards, 0 touchdowns. So efficient when he did catch the ball, but it wasn't all that often. But he ran super well, averaged a really good clip, and had a solid touchdown number as well to go along with his 830 yards for Kansas City. So, the situation didn't look like it was there for Pacheco. That's why he was in the upside tier. There was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire there and Jarek McKinnon as the receiving back for Kansas City. So, he didn't see the path to playing time for him, and he had super low draft capital. So, eventually though, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire not only lost his job, but also got injured and lost for the rest of the year. And Jarek McKinnon was featured exclusively almost as a receiving back. Uh, So that opened up an an opportunity for Pacheco to be the first and second down leading rusher for them. Um, And he really showed up late in the season in the playoffs for them. He was fantastic in the playoffs, especially for them. He had some really clutch runs. And you saw that speed. You saw that violence that he runs with, that contact balance. Uh, so I like Pacheco going into this next year. Edward Solaire seems to have lost any kind of favor in the backfield for Kansas City. Pacheco looks to be the starter here, and really the only threat to him seemingly is Jarek McKinnon, but again, he was used almost exclusively as a receiver out of the backfield, so you'd think that he's more of a third down guy. So Pacheco, I see him as a mid-tier running back two. And if you got him late in your rookie drafts, you're running to the bank right now, grinning. The next guy in this tier I had, Ty Chandler, who went to Minnesota in the fifth round. Uh, So Chandler had solid vision with ability to find cutback lanes. He has strength to run through arm tackles, but could improve his lower body balance and power overall. Uh, Makes defenders miss in the open field with good spatial awareness. He has good burst in the open field. He did have limited passing down chances, but has the skill set to be a receiver out of the backfield. So I'd like to tie Chandler quite a bit coming out of this class as well. But again, where was the opportunity Delvin Cook there and Alexander Madison? And now it looks like maybe there's an opportunity coming this year, but it's kind of wide open for that running back two spot behind Madison now that Delvin Cook is gone. So let's get into what he did last year and it wasn't much. So Chandler played in three games, started zero, and had six attempts for 20 yards, 3.3 yards per carry, and that was it, nothing in the receiving game. So another guy who you thought maybe had an opportunity, uh, but was really kind of buried on the depth chart and wasn't able to show anything. Maybe there's an opportunity there this year, though. They did draft another running back this year who I'm blanking on right now, pretty low in the draft um so he'll have some competition there but he might be able to be the running back two maybe a 1b because i don't think uh madison is anything super special but either way um you know if you've got an opportunity to scoop him up off the waiver wire if he's available get him now before he potentially becomes popular if he is able to seize at least that running back two role for the vikings Next I had Jerome Ford who went to Cleveland in the fifth round. Uh, So Jerome Ford, a sturdy runner who keeps his feet moving. He's decisive and consistent with his vision and decisions. Uh, He had a compact frame and efficient footwork uh, and was shifty enough in open space. Can break pursuit angles if he's challenged to the outside. Has trouble diagnosing in pass protection but is capable caught most of his targets in college, but wasn't featured as a receiver all that much. So Jerome Ford, I know a lot of people are excited about him to potentially be the new Kareem Hunt to Nick Chubb now that Kareem Hunt's gone. I don't know if he'll necessarily be that. He'll certainly have a chance to be the running back too there, uh, but I don't know if there's a real opportunity to be what Kareem Hunt was to that backfield. I mean, They essentially had two starting caliber running backs in the backfield for Cleveland. The only reason they had Hunt was because of his off-field issues. So, either way, there is an opportunity for him, but I don't think it's going to be what a lot of people expect to be just replacing those touches that Kareem Hunt got. But anyway, let's look at what he did last year really quick. And there really wasn't much there. Played in 13 games, started zero of them, rushed eight times for 12 yards, Average 1.5 yards a carry. So not much opportunity there. He was used as a kick returner though. Uh, those numbers are 30 returns for 723 yards and uh, 24.1 average per return. So that was pretty good for him. So he has a role on the team at the very least. Uh, and he has an opportunity here to take that running back two role. I would just temper my expectations as to what that's going to look like this year. Next, we have Hassan Haskins, who went to Tennessee in the fourth round. Uh, Haskins is a patient and disciplined runner with good open field vision. He's a bruiser with the ability to use momentum effectively and get skinny in between tackles. Not very fluid as a runner, though, but has shown the ability to hurdle defenders. Uh, Has adequate speed, limited work in the receiving game, but effective and willing as a pass blocker. So, Hassan Haskins... Again there wasn't really too much of an opportunity here but there was maybe potential for something to happen but Derek Henry obviously the guy there and Dontrell Hilliard was the receiving back last year although I believe he got hurt uh, and didn't really do all that much last year but Hassan Haskins didn't really get much of an opportunity either so let's take a look at that. So in his limited work he played in 15 games, started one, had 25 rushes for 93 yards, 3.7 yards a carry, and caught the ball 11 times for 57 yards, zero touchdowns. I don't expect much this year from Hassan Haskins, uh, especially now that they just drafted Tajay Spears, who's a much better prospect than him. Uh, He looks to be the running back two there, and probably the running back of the near future. I know, uh, Tajay Spears essentially doesn't have any ACLs but he's still a phenomenal athlete despite that uh so he's got a window where he can be the starting running back for Tennessee if they do decide to move on from Derrick Henry but I don't really see an opportunity for Haskins here and the last guy in this tier was Tyler Algier who went to Atlanta in the fifth round uh Algier is a guy who delivers punishment to defenders with strong forward lean. He had solid vision and always active eyes, but not explosive, lacked home run ability. He's a north-south runner who can make lateral cuts, but really not all that elusive. Uh, He was functional as a pass catcher and does not have the most natural hands, though. Uh, So Tyler Algier took the NFL by storm. Crazy that... uh, this guy, being this low on this ranking, ended up a 1,000-yard rusher at the end of the year. And a lot of people were after him in the offseason trying to get him. Only for Atlanta to draft Bijan Robinson, the best running back coming out in this past year's class. And I can't blame them. Uh, Algier, as good as he was last year, he's not overly dynamic, and he was picked only in the fifth round. But he'll be a fantastic running back, too, for them. Uh, But let's get into what he did last year and project him forward quickly. So Algier, as I mentioned, uh, had 1,000 yards this past season, 1,035 to be exact on 210 attempts, three touchdowns. He played in six games, started seven, and as a receiver, he caught 16 passes for 139 yards and one touchdown. Again, I think he's going to be the change of pace guy for Atlanta and Cordell Patterson's also there, so a good handcuff to have. Uh, but unfortunately, if you overpaid for him in the offseason, it probably bit you in the butt. I actually saw that in one of my leagues right before the draft. A guy traded a 2024 first round pick for Algier only for them to pick Bijan Robinson right after that. And that guy, unfortunately, did not have 101 to pick Bijan, so tough luck. All right, last but not least, let's get into the sleeper tier here for 2022, the way I had them. So my first guy in the sleeper tier was Pierre Strong, who went to New England in the fourth round. So he's an instinctive runner with a good feel for cutback lanes, an adequate contact balance runner, but more of a slasher who uses vision and footwork to make defenders miss in space. Uh, He gets to his top speed quickly in space. Didn't have receiving production, but has the ability to catch dump-offs and make guys miss in space, and pass pro remains to be seen for him. Uh, So Pierre Strong, the draft capital was there for a guy to have a contribution, and it seemed like maybe there was going to be an opportunity, but... At the same time, Damian Harris was still there in New England. He was a starter going into the year, and then obviously Ramondre Stevenson, who took over as the absolute stud uh, back there after Harris got hurt. Um, You would have thought there would be opportunity once Harris got hurt, but uh, Strong really didn't do much after that, um, unfortunately. And Belichick has... A knack for, I guess, red-shirting running backs in their rookie year for some reason. But uh, regardless of that, let's check on how he did last year. So Pierre Strong played in 15 games, started zero, 10 attempts for 100 yards and one touchdown, 10 yards a carry, which is great, but obviously small sample size. And then he had seven catches for 42 yards. So again, didn't really contribute much. Belichick has a knack for red-shirting guys he does have receiving ability, though, so uh, and I've heard potentially he could take over the old James White, Deion Lewis role of the pass-catching back out of the backfield in New England, so we'll see if that develops this coming year, especially now that uh, James Robinson has been cut, by the way. Uh, I don't think I've talked about that at all, but uh, I thought that was a bad signing to begin with. And they ended up cutting James Robinson before things really even got started, New England did. So a uh, really weird move there, and uh, it opens up an opportunity for Pierre Strong this year, but he didn't do anything last year. My next guy was a surprise as far as uh, actually having production, Zonovan Knight. So he went to the Jets as a UDFA, and Knight has good overall vision but can sometimes press holes too deep does well to stay up through contact despite not having a low center of gravity. Uh, He's a fluid athlete who can make sudden cuts and has enough speed to break pursuit angles. Had a good career as a kick returner as well and has the ability as a pass catcher but had plenty of disappointing drops in college and showed to be an average pass blocker. So Zonovan Knight... He got an opportunity once Brees Hall got hurt. Speaking of James Robinson also, James Robinson was traded for by the Jets, brought in seemingly to replace uh, Brees Hall in that lineup, and he ended up being a healthy scratch only for an undrafted free agent and Zonovan Knight to take over those running back one duties while uh, Michael Carter still was the receiving back there. So uh, let's check on how he did last year in his... Uh, late season duties. So Zonovan Knight played in seven games, started four, had 85 attempts for 300 yards, 3.5 yards a carry, and receiving he had uh, 13 receptions for 100 yards and zero touchdowns. So Knight actually started off a lot better than he uh, ended the season But when he had started off, he, uh, you know, showed ability as a kind of bruising running back who could run through contact and pick up yards after contact. And, uh, you know, he did tail off. I don't know if he was hitting the rookie wall or what, or if teams were just stacking the box, knowing that the quarterbacks for the Jets were no threat to anybody Uh, But regardless, his yards per carry did tail off toward the end of the year, the last couple of games, but he started off strong. Um, I think he's got a future with the Jets as a backup, but he does have competition, and Michael Carter, Izzy Abanacanda, and obviously he's not taking the running back one role from Brees Hall. So he's going to have to beat out Abanacanda probably in camp to have a shot here. And if he is cut, I think he could at least be a valuable running back three for another team, but probably not fantasy relevant beyond this year. My next guy was Kyron Williams, who went to the LA Rams in the fifth round. So, Williams is a receiving back with the ability to run routes, catch out of the backfield, and has soft hands. Uh, He's a smart pass protector, he's a slippery back with tons of effort to avoid negative plays. Uh, He has good enough vision, but sometimes is too willing to string out runs instead of get what's there. Uh, He shows effort in remaining upright, but he's not quite strong enough to power through when it comes to contact balance. And he's quick, but lacks top-end speed. So, it seemed like there was a role, potentially, for Kyron Williams. He battled through injuries, though, last year. Um, And, you know, unfortunately for him, he wasn't able to seize the opportunity left open by the whole fiasco with cam Akers in the middle of the year but now he looks like he might have that receiving back role on lock here we'll see uh they did draft zach evans but i think uh williams is a better receiver so zach evans is probably the running back two by default but Kyron williams is probably your third down receiving back guy uh so let's see how he did last year so in his limited action, he played in 10 games, starting zero of them, uh, had 35 attempts for 139 yards, an average of four yards a carry, and caught the ball nine times for 76 yards and no touchdowns. So there's a little bit of sample size for the receiving ability uh, and modest rushing ability, but uh, that, that's going to be his path is to be a receiver for the Rams. So if he can show out as a third down receiving back and show that he has the skills to pass protect, then he'll have a role. But again, uh, Cam Akers looks to be the starter after how strong he finished last year. And on top of that, Zach Evans uh, projects well to take over that role if they don't re-sign Cam Akers next year. Next we have Keontae Ingram, who was drafted by Arizona in the sixth round. He's an instinctive runner with surprisingly good contact balance for his height. Uh, He's got decent speed and gets to top speed quick in open space. He's got good lateral quickness to make guys miss in the open field. Can catch checkdowns and create in space, but lacks pass pro upside. So Keontae Ingram, there wasn't too much of uh, an opportunity there with James Conner as the number one back there. Uh, But let's look at what he did last year. So, in very limited action, played 12 games, started zero, uh, 27 attempts for 60 yards, one touchdown, and caught four passes for 21 yards. So, small sample size, didn't look good in that small sample size. Uh, We'll see if there's an opportunity for him here, though. As it stands right now, it looks like he's beyond Corey Clement on the depth chart behind uh, James Conner, so... Um, He'll really have to show out in camp to earn a role on this team. But there will be opportunities probably because this is going to be a bad team and they're probably going to want to see what they can get out of their young guys. Next we have Tyrion Davis-Price who went to San Francisco in the third round. This guy has an effective forward lean, but that limits his ability to stay upright through contact. He's got adequate vision to hit the hole that presents itself. Uh, Has effective jump cuts to make guys miss in the backfield. He's an adequate pass catcher and a high high IQ pass blocker who rarely misses his assignment. This guy was drafted with pretty good draft capital, but at the time they had Elijah Mitchell as the number one back. They also drafted Jordan Mason, and on top of that, at the time... Trey Sermon was also there who was also drafted I believe in the third round until obviously he was cut so then further complicating things Elijah Mitchell goes down they trade for Christian McCaffrey so these guys slide even further down the depth chart and Tyrion Davis Price didn't really even show out well when he was on the field anyway so let's see what he did Uh, So he had 34 attempts for 99 yards, 2.9 average. Uh, He played in six games, started zero, and caught zero passes on two targets. So didn't show well, even though there were opportunities there, and he had fairly high draft capital for a running back. That doesn't bode well for him. It seems like San Francisco has this weird... Thing about drafting guys in the third round and them not working out between him and Trey Sermon and a couple other guys in the past so I don't really know here. They seem to have more success with guys that are either undrafted or drafted late like Elijah Mitchell, Raheem Moster, those kind of guys and now they've got a true stud in Christian McCaffrey there. So there's really no opportunity for him and uh, I would fade him at this point. Next we have Tristan Ebner. Drafted by Chicago in the sixth round, Uh, he's a running back who searches for big plays too often by skipping the initial hole or stretching zone runs out too far. He's adequate in breaking arm tackles but loses balance when he makes cuts. Uh, He has speed to get to the edge and turn the corner. He's a quick twitch athlete who can make quick jump cuts to make guys miss. He's a solid receiver who's shown soft hands and the ability to run option routes but he missed defenders and pass protection too often. So Tristan Ebner went to another situation like a lot of these guys, obviously, in the sleeper category where it was David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert and then maybe him. Um, it was just a crowded backfield and it's not any better this year going into this next year here. They've got Khalil Herbert still, Deontay Foreman's there, and now they've also drafted Roshan Johnson, who I really like. So for Ebner, it doesn't look like there's much opportunity, but let's look quickly at what he did last year. So yeah, he played in 17 games, started none of them though, had 24 attempts for 54 yards, 2.3 yards per carry, which is awful, and uh, two receptions for 8 yards on 8 targets. So there was something not going right here. Uh, Quite a few carries to have that low of an average and uh, 2 out of 8 receiving I don't know if that's a Justin Fields problem or if it's a Tristan Ebner problem, but uh, it was a problem, that's for sure. And there's no opportunity, so I'd fade him as well. And my final guy in the sleeper category, the last category, is Kevin Harris, who went to New England in the sixth round. Uh, He sees the field well, especially in open space. He has a low center of gravity that allows him to stay up through contact, but he's not a burner. He is elusive enough in tight spaces, but won't juke in the open field. He drops too many passes when he is asked to catch passes and wasn't asked to pass protect at all in college. Uh, Another guy who really didn't have much opportunity last year, as I mentioned, New England redshirts their running backs quite a bit. Uh, But with that said, I've already mentioned what the opportunity is looking like in the New England backfield. Uh, So he's probably behind Pierre Strong in the pecking order there. But let's look at what, what he did last year. So Kevin Harris played in five games, started one surprisingly. I couldn't tell you which one it was. Uh, he had 18 attempts for 52 yards, one touchdown, and averaged 2.9 yards a carry, zero production in the receiving game. So not good when he did play. Low draft capital and not a ton of opportunity going into this year another guy to probably fade at this point. All right. So that takes care of the actual rankings. Now I want to go back quickly and just talk about, you know, I talked about at the beginning of this episode and the last episode that I wanted to talk about where I was right and where I was maybe wrong. Uh, So I want to go back and look at that a little bit as I look at these tiers right now. So where I was right, Damian Pierce is the number one starter going into the year. He was the only guy who was the unquestioned starter going into the year, so I got that right, and he had a really productive first year, so having him as my number one overall running back after the pre-draft and the post-draft stuff going into it, I think is a pretty good hit there. Uh, I think I called it pretty well too with the next two guys, maybe even next three, Uh, Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall and Brian Robinson. I had them in the running back by committee category. All three were productive in their own ways. I'd say Brian Robinson was the least productive, but he did grab hold of his starting job. Uh, Kenneth Walker was super productive, and uh, you know I loved what he did this past year, and he really took over the starting role. Of course, we all know that going into this year with Charbonnet there, it's up in the air as to what that role is going to look like. And then Brees Hall was fantastic before he got injured unfortunately Uh, but hopefully he can regain that form Uh, on the receiving running back tier I had James Cook and Rashad White and both of them you know started off slow in their rookie years but they showed out toward the end of the year and they both have an opportunity to be starters now so I think that shaped out pretty well as well Uh, the path to running back tier the next one where I had Zemir White and Isaiah Spiller I really dropped the ball in this one I think a lot of people did predict that these guys would have opportunities, but I don't think anybody predicted that they would have pretty much zero opportunity whatsoever. That could change this year, but again, I don't know if it was lack of trust. I don't know if it was something about what they did in practice, or it was just that Josh Jacobs and Austin Eckler are too good to take off the field. But either way, hopefully they can take a step this year, but as far as last year definitely missed that one. On the upside tier my number one guy was Isaiah Pacheco and even though he didn't have a clear path that path made itself clear for him and he ended up being super productive so I'm considering that a hit for me because I had him the number one in this tier just because there was no true path but I will say when it comes to my pre-draft rankings for them he slotted in as running back seven for me so just based on skills and traits despite anything to do with the draft capital again this wasn't taking any of that into account the skills graded out for me as my seventh best running back and he was actually tied for sixth I guess with Rashad White for me so pretty good there uh Ty Chandler unfortunately didn't have an opportunity to do anything we'll see if he does this year same thing with Jerome Ford but I know everybody's excited about him so we'll see Hassan Haskins probably lost his opportunity when the Titans drafted Jerome sorry not Jerome Ford uh Tajay Spears and then Tyler Algier the surprise of the whole group had a thousand yards and unfortunately for him he's by default, lost his starting job, but I think he's still going to be a very solid contributor in that backfield. So, pretty good group in this upside tier, to be honest, as far as those guys are concerned. A few of them showed out in Pacheco and Tyler Algier, and two out of the three left over have pretty good opportunities going into this year. And then looking at the sleeper tier quickly, Pierre Strong, I mentioned he has an opportunity this year, just didn't do anything with it. Uh, Zonovan Knight surprised everybody, but that was because of uh, injuries, and he wasn't super efficient when he was in, so, you know, temper expectations there, especially with added competition. Kyron Williams should have an opportunity, so should Keontae Ingram. Uh, Davis Price, Ebner, and Kevin Harris, I just really don't see it with those guys, so I think they're uh, properly pegged in this tier. Uh, between the low draft capital the lower grades on the traits and skills for me and the opportunity uh, it just I don't think it's going to be there for him so I think overall for this running back class the way I had them slotted worked out pretty well for me I did really miss the boat when it came to the Zamir White and Isaiah Spiller tier but uh, overall I think it looked pretty good all right so that's going to do it for today Thanks for tuning in to my second part of the reading the receipts series focusing on the 2022 draft class. If you liked what I had to say, disagreed with what I had to say, or have your own rankings to share, hit me up on Twitter at YakFantasyPod. Next week we'll be looking at last year's wide receiver crop. I'm excited for that. Super talented group. Um, I'm also very excited to tell you how they compare to this year's group Uh, because it compares very favorably for the 2022 class. Just insane amount of talent in that class. Anyway, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again, and catch you next week.